0: Team.
1: What's up, everyone? Happy DeGrom Day. I'm your host, Hannah Wing, and welcome back to the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. Again, I'm your host, Hannah Wing, here with Jared Sandler. And Jared, there's a man sitting next to us that resembles Nathaniel Lowe, but I'm not seeing a mustache. What are your thoughts?
2: It's pretty crazy. I I think it's still a Silver Slugger Award winner. <laughs> I think it's still a guy who Hit three hundred last year, first Ranger to do it since twenty sixteen. But I was taken aback the other day when I saw Nathaniel I forget what entryway he came through and I did a double take and the mustache was gone. A lot of people have asked about this. <laughs> yes, I've I felt that bring it up again yeah. again. I have gotten a lot of heat. I mean, you you rock the mustache and you have like the perfect personality for this, like you own it. But you can't expect to shave it and then people just be like, "Ah, he shaved
3: it," and like not ask about yeah, it. Yeah, no, it was like it became like a lot more of a thing than it was. I'm like, yeah, it's just some hair on my upper lip. <laughs> apparently, apparently, you get like an alter ego and a new personality and all this new stuff just for having. Hair on your face, so. But you're yeah. still the same.
2: It's not like you don't have a twin
3: that we no, don't know about. No way. no. Okay. No. Yeah, same guy. Yeah. Same no
1: Walter ego or anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like the stash was everywhere. I mean, it's in your headshot from spring training, so it's up on the video <laughs> yeah. board. Oh, Forever. There's a city connect mural by the Rangers front office of you with the stash. It looks really dark. The contrast in the picture is like perfect for the stash. So it's <laughs> just everywhere. Speaking of
2: the stash, can we revisit the last episode?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. The
2: the the, the bet the oh. Two ha. home runs, ha. and you'd ha. 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 and first so at close. bat, first at bat comes up and
4: goes yard. <laughs> and oh.
2: I was thinking about this the whole time. Uh, was it the Royals? Was the Royals, it the Royals? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was Keller, yeah. yeah. We, we didn't end up winning the game.
3: We got boat race, yeah.
2: <laughs> you did come up in uh, late in the game, and it was like last chance. And I'm thinking to myself, if he hits a home run, we're gonna have to push back the dying of the mustache jet black until after the team wins a game. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, probably not good to do it after a loss like that, but were you, when you were around in the bases, like I know I asked you, when did you like think you did think about this, I right? Did. Yeah. Okay. I did. You
3: asked me on the plane after. Yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah. I hit that first one and then Keller was really good. Like he, yeah, he's on a roll. Like we got crushed. Like, just part of it you know but those next couple at bats i was like oh my gosh i like you know not that i don't want to hit a homer but i don't know if i really <laughs> want to put mascara in my mustache to make it darker like which i need to go on record and say there was no product in it before so it was yeah. all natural yeah it was all natural okay well we'll have to think of something before the end of the episode yes uh, one one
2: there's going to be one episode this year where i'm going to throw out a ridiculous wager. You're gonna do it, like you're gonna do whatever needs to happen for it to
3: be executed. Oh yeah, and we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun. Yeah, so we've, we've taken t- some shots already. Yeah. yeah. Aside from that, um, yeah, we uh, like a couple games ago, we, we were playing pretty solid, winning a couple games in a row. And Bobby Wilson records a selfie video with Corey Ragsdale, right, first base coach, and says, "Hey, Rags." If we win 10 games in a row, you are growing your hair out <laughs> <laughs> for the remainder of this season. And, you know, he thinks he's going to look like Bozo the Clown because it that's doesn't amazing. grow on the top of his head and it grows out on the side. And then, yeah, you know, the season happens, you lose games and that's OK. Is but, th- yeah,
2: is that a state like at any point, if there's a 10 game winning streak, he's got to grow. Or is it just that current? Stretch? Oh, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that that, that still
3: stands. Oh, I well, like that's it. Gonna we're, we're going to make that happen. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. right? We got to win 10 in a row. Yeah. Well, we gotta win one first, but yeah. Ten but three. then you go we'll two, to and end. then after two, yeah, you go right. three, and then yeah. eventually you get to and ten. And the next, you know, you look up, and there's ten in the row. Yeah, you're good to go. Rags is gonna have a full head of hair on the side. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. Not on the top. That's so. Funny. I've never seen him with any
2: hair at all, and I feel like he shaves his head daily. Like his, it, there's never
3: like any pristine. Oh. Yeah. You've got a better chance of seeing a band aid on his head than a full head. Of hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is awesome. All right,
2: now more incentive for ten winning streak. <laughs>
1: All right. All right. All right. The Texas Rangers Foundation had their tech gala last Thursday. and Nathaniel, you got to intro a pretty special guest. Tell us about it.
3: How about that? Huh? Yeah. So um, it needs to go back further because our general manager, Chris Young, like CY knows that I can't stand hearing myself talk on the microphone in front of a crowd because I just hear my voice shake, you know, whatever. I can talk with you guys no problem, I can swing and miss, I can miss a ball in front of 50,000, yeah, whatever, you know, but when I have to hear my own voice come through the microphone, like, it just doesn't work. And he knew that if there was going to be a chance to kind of put me on the spot again, that it was going to be at the gala, which they did a really good job, and we had a great time out there. And then they texted me a couple days before, and they said, hey, you know, can you introduce somebody to introduce Kenny Chesney? And then, you you know, Matthew McConaughey, I couldn't say no, and yeah. So he's he's all smiles before I get up there on the mic and, you know, giving me the thumbs up because he knows, like, I'm so <laughs> I got uncomfortable. But yeah, I like, I like to do it. And if, if there's a chance to get out and maybe get better at it, then I will. But yeah, it was cool. We got to meet him backstage, um, you know, take a picture. And then I, I get to bring him up there. And as soon as I start wrapping off, like, Oscar award winner, like recognize him from this movie. Everybody in the crowd knew. And then, yeah, he, he got a pretty warm welcome and it was, it was pretty cool.
1: It was awesome. I was at the bar with my friend Peyton that I brought and we were walking back over to our table and I looked up and I saw you on the stage. I was like, what is Nate doing <laughs> up on this stage doing an intro? And then I realized it was for McConaughey and that was just the coolest thing ever. It was awesome.
3: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really cool. They brought us backstage to meet him and just get, get in there and say hi. And then, you know, that's that and take a couple pictures and then he's making an appearance at the foundation, because you know, giving like a longtime friend and and uh, I'm sure a donor in some way or another, and him just being there is you know it's a tribute to the foundation being rooted with a list celebrities like Matthew McConaughey. So it's yeah, it was really cool.
2: Did you practice?
3: No. Okay. No so you just you did no, really well. No, you were awesome. Thank you. Well, well, I, know I wrote it nervous, down. But... I wrote it down this time. That way, I make sure I don't go off track. Okay.
2: Well, but I'm surprised to hear you say. I understand that not liking to hear yourself speak. I think a lot of people go through that. And I guess, I mean, I hate public speaking, and I think when I tell people that, they're like, well, then why are you a broadcaster? But it's, it's like what you said. Like, there's certain things where it's not all in one bucket. Certain things you're fine with, other things. And I, I'll, I will publicly speak. I just don't enjoy it. But I would never, the way you commanded the stage at the leadoff event... <laughs> With the, the turtleneck and everything, like I never would have guessed that you don't like that. I actually thought when someone told me that you got to introduce Matthew McConaughey, I was thinking, oh, what a perfect person to do that because you are so comfortable. I didn't realize that that's not the case. Yeah, no. Uh, no, I sweat
3: through my shirt every time I get up there on stage. Yeah, so no yeah,
1: aspirations yeah. of being the Rangers in-game host?
3: Uh, no, absolutely not. No, I, I don't mind. Yeah, like talking on a microphone in a booth, like talking with you guys or... Knowing that it's going to get broadcast out is way better than having to address people face-to-face, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's so, fair. Yeah. If I didn't have that jacket on, you would have seen like big old pit stains on my turtleneck that I had going on. And then I had that loose shirt on the other night. I'm pretty sure I sweat through that. But, yeah, it, yeah, it's fun.
1: Speaking of McConaughey, what are y'all's favorite Matthew McConaughey movies? Oh,
3: Interstellar. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, I love it. I, I, really, I actually really like that movie. And yeah. if it's on, it's one of those TV movies that I can't flip past. The next thing you know, you're you know, an hour and a half later and you've watched forty-five minutes of commercials to watch forty-five minutes of Interstellar. But yeah, I like it. Here,
2: what is yours, Hannah? I need to I want to make sure I'm not missing one.
1: There are so many. I would say I really like his work in The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. That scene when he's beating on his chest and he's humming that song. I just will never get out of my mind. So Good if one. I were to meet him, that's what I'd probably do <laughs> on the spot and see if he like acknowledges it. I'm sure it happens to him all the time, but I would say Wolf of Street, I can't even talk. Wolf of Wall Street is probably the best one so far, but I know that he has a lot of other great ones that I can't think of off the top of my head.
2: So, the, the, first of all, I really like True Detective, not a, not a movie, but I want to give that some love. The one I the movie he's in that I've probably seen the most is Angels in the Outfield, just because I watched that all the time growing up. He's Ben Williams, center fielder, makes a great catch at one point. Uh, I think they're playing the, the White Sox or something in one of the games, but I didn't realize until I was much older that was Matthew McConaughey, but I, I don't know, I guess I gotta go with Dazed and Confused. I just it's a classic. Mm. I'm a big dazed and confused fan. Sure. Yeah, you so. can't
3: go wrong with any movie. He's been great. And yeah, like getting to meet him and having him come out to the foundation just means so much for the organization. I thought it was really cool. All right, now the night before night before, right?
1: Last Wednesday. Yeah. Stars game.
2: You're a big stars fan. Oh, big bandwagon stars fan. But, but hey, yes, that's fine. Hey, so I, you you I, go, though. I like to yeah. go a lot. And you, you got to go to, which was it, game two? Game two. They yeah. scored seven. Yeah.
3: Seven goals. The shorthand power play goal, I, I like, that's, you know, look at me with my hockey lingo. Big hockey guy. When they bust out and start coming down the ice and everyone knows, like, oh, my God, he's about to put it in the net. Like, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, stuffing it past the goalie, like, when you're shorthanded, like, I don't know, I think it's, like, such a big, like, power move by the team. And yeah. yeah. It's cool.
2: Rope Hints had that goal. It? There you go. All right, so I think that the rush of a goal in a hockey game, specifically a playoff hockey game, is the biggest rush for a fan in sports, short of like a very specific like walk-off home run. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking about just like when, when someone scores a run in baseball, let's say runner at second, single, that's awesome. And in a big moment, it's obviously even more awesome, but you, it slowly unfolds, right? You see the runner get there from second a home run, you know, it unfolds a touchdown, not as, I mean, it's exciting, but again, the play unfolds. And then there are a lot of points that are scored in a basketball game. It might be three, one in hockey or what Like every goal is super big and that rush, which sometimes it just catches you off guard is like, it's one of a kind. I think it's, I, I don't know. Nothing like it to me.
1: And I, I love the Dallas stars chant. There is nothing like the Dallas stars chant. And so fun.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. Evaldi and I keep telling each other, Bing bong because after they, after <laughs> they play that, you know. After they play that, after what is it, Pantera? After yeah. they play that song and everyone's waving their towel and then that comes on, like we, we just giggle the whole time, like, hey, <laughs> how do we get somebody to play that after we hit a homer? You know,
2: is he so obviously not from here, but he is from Texas. And what's his hockey like? Was that a new experience for him or is he a um, hockey fan? Um,
3: no, he. Yeah. I think he's gone to a couple hockey games. He said that he went to go see him play in Boston when he was with the Red Sox. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're killing it this year. Like that's probably an easy environment to go to without knowing anything about hockey. Cause they've won like every game they played. Um, yeah. But you know, <laughs> yeah, the rush of like when the puck slides around the right way and they, you know, they're on sides and cross the blue line or whatever. And then they're getting close to the goal and, I love how involved hockey fans are because they don't let you, the ushers don't let you walk down while the puck's in action. And I think, like, I can really respect that as a sport because you're there to pay attention to the sport and, like, be a true fan instead of, sometimes in baseball, you know, like, if it's slow, it's slow, and you're looking at your phone and you can miss a pitch, and the next thing you know, somebody's running around the bases and the ball went 500 feet. You have no idea. But in hockey, you're locked in, you're paying attention, and when when it happens, it happens, and it's right in front of your face. I I really appreciate that. I I
2: don't feel – maybe this is a ridiculous statement. I I don't feel like you go to a hockey game by mistake. Like, you can get invited to a Cowboys game, and you're like, yeah, sure, I'll go, and I'm here to socialize and be seen. Mavericks games, 110%. That is a social setting as much as it is going to watch a basketball game. I feel like if someone's going to go to a hockey game, they're going because they really – like they're whether they know a lot about hockey, like they, Hey, I'm pumped to go to a hockey game. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah, like I, I, the engagement is absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's quickly shift to baseball. Okay. Uh, the Rangers and Yankees play tonight. It will be the second game of a four game series. Jacob deGrom and Clark Schmidt is the pitching matchup. Uh, last night, Garrett Cole, Andrew Heaney, uh, the Yankees won four to two. So as we're having this conversation, four stray losses. Now, mm-hmm. 162-game season, this sort of thing happens, right? You go into a year knowing, like, if I talked to you in spring training, hey, what are the chances there's a four-game losing streak at some point this season? Probably put a lot of money that, yeah, that's going to happen. That happens to the best teams. But I imagine when you're in the middle of it, it's still, it, like, you can't just, like, discard it like, yeah, it was going to happen. Like, you know it's not the end of the world, but it's probably not a ton of fun either. So, like, what, what's that like for you especially as a a leader in the clubhouse when the team's going through this.
3: Yeah, compartmentalizing losses is a huge part of what it takes to be a championship team, right? Because think about it on the personal scale. Like if you have a really good season, you get out 280, 300 times, you know, and that's saying you're on base 500 and that's killing it. So the best teams, you're still going to lose 70 games. You know, if you lose 70 games, what is it? 92 and 70, Mm -hmm. like you guys crushed it. So having something like this happen in April is much better than having it in August, September, because, yeah, the team needs to find out where we need to improve. And like myself, having a start that might be a little slower than I want, like that's just part of what it takes for a championship team to come together and figure out where we need to improve. And, yeah, we we went to Cincinnati and just forgot how to play. You know, it felt like we had a couple games that we should have taken care of, but it's a team game. We can't point fingers. We could have scored more runs. Like – you, the things happen because they happen, and they have to, like, we have to shine a light on it in the truth, not blame anybody, but just continue to improve. And I know you say, like, to get off to a better start. We just got to let everyone know, my guy over here, four
2: extra base hits his last three games. All right. That's a uh, big double in the first inning yesterday against Garrett Cole. Didn't that should
3: count for two. I, against him? Hits off Cole should count for two. We need to
2: talk about that stuff, <laughs> <but> that, <laughs> that, that And I felt like he was just hitting corner, like, arm side glove side like he was he was pretty impressive yesterday.
3: I mean yeah you know like I, I, I hate to say it but because he doesn't play for the Rangers but that's arguably one of the best starters in not in just the American League but in all of baseball It's the same with Valdez and Houston you know like you beat those guys you're really yeah. doing something but that's the big leagues you know that's that's the task at hand and uh, you got to find a way to scrape it out and uh, unfortunately he got us last night and that's just how it goes
2: We got one of those guys on the mound for the Rangers tonight sure with do. Jacob DeGrom. I I get asked this a lot. So you're going to lose games where it's like you're just you're never in it, and it's just one of those days. And like you said, you're going to lose 70 times, and some of those times you just weren't the better team that day. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, two leads that slipped away, big leads, and then uh, walk off on Wednesday, the, the Nick Senzel home run. I get asked this a ton. Get on a flight afterwards, come back home. And people always like, ask me, what, what's the mood on the, on the flight? Like, does everyone just, like, silent? And I think, you know, people, maybe they just, they don't think about it for a second. Like, yeah, hey, you're going to lose a lot. Like, even the best teams. But, like, that's I, that's not how I would describe it. I would say that maybe, like, on the bus, and, and we go on a different bus to the the uh, airport or wherever we fly out of than the players do, it's probably not a fiesta right on the bus, right, when you step foot on there and maybe the plane it's not like everyone's bumping music after getting swept but like once you settle into your seat you know whether you watch a movie play cards whatever's going on i mean you got to live your life too like you can't just dwell on it for the rest of the night right like is that yeah, a fair way to
3: you, you can't be disrespectful to your teammates because you know there are guys that are going to take it harder than others and and there's some people that you know are so good at compartmentalizing that it looks like you don't care at all but that's not the case with this team you know this this team understands that we're going to lose games and bad things happen, but you just have to realize that it's okay. You know, you're, you're playing games and we got a chance to play again tomorrow. And if you dwell too long on your losses, then you're going to take it into the next day. And if you take your, you know, three-game sweep in Cincinnati into the next series, like this Yankees team could do some damage. But, you know, I felt like we had some opportunities to really uh, really change the score last night and get some things happening. And, and we started to there, but, you know, it's just, that's just how it goes sometimes.
2: Okay, so then one more on this. I think we've seen like on social media, they'll, they'll show like for various teams after a win, you know, everyone celebrates differently. And it's been impressed upon a lot of people. Hey, wins are not easy to come by. So whether you're a 100-win team or a 60-win team, we're going to celebrate wins, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to come back the next day and try and do it again. Sure. But after a loss and after maybe one of the losses in Cincinnati – Is there a conversation? Is there a player that will get everyone together and say, hey, uh, you know, let's – X, Y, and Z, or hey, keep your heads up, or is it just one of those things like, hey, you guys are professionals, we know we got to come back and do better the next day?
3: Yeah, I'd lean I'd lean more towards the second option there. Um, when you're having meetings and people are saying stuff, then, you know, you're bringing personal opinions into it, and, like, you need to stay really objective, right? We, we just didn't do a good job of keeping a lead that series, and we didn't jump out to a lead in game three, and we let them hang around, and they beat us because... I, it felt like, you know, we, we never really put the nail in the coffin. And some of these big wins early, it feels like we've stepped on some teams by scoring again late. And, you know, oh. runs are hard to come by in the major leagues. Like, beating a 100-loss team in the major leagues is still going to take some effort. You know, nobody's just going to roll over and hand it to you. So we just need to keep going. We'll be fine. And then, uh, yeah, we guys understand that you're going to lose. You're going to go through slow stretches. But when you get hot, you just got to roll with it.
2: A lot of people always on Twitter, like, oh, they need a team meeting, team meeting, blah, blah, blah. You only Uh, have so many bullets with that. Like, they're uh, maybe like once, maybe twice a year. And that, like, that, and it doesn't even like guarantee a win the next day either. But like, you can't, I mean, you can only use that bullet so often. And that's maybe, like I said, once or twice. Does that sound about right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Then just like, you know, to kind of go back to your, like, how you started that statement, like, guys on Twitter. Yeah, so well I know there's a, there's I, the worst. a reason why people are on Twitter and not in the clubhouse, you know. We yeah. love the fans, we love support, but man, there's one GM and he's in the office. There's one manager and he's in the office and they're surely not on Twitter, you know. So let's stay positive. We'll keep going. It's early, it's very early. This is a very good team, a very good offense, very good pitching staff. Like these things happen to teams. Hey,
2: nothing wrong with being on pace to win ninety games, right? I like. Mean- that's not a bad Sounds start. Sounds okay to me. Yeah, not a bad start And at speaking
1: all. of Twitter, too, I would love for the people that are in their parents' basements saying ooh, negative ooh, things ooh, on ooh, Twitter going to this? come out to Globe Life <laughs> Field for a live batting practice and see how it goes. That's all I would like to say.
3: And then standing in front of 30,000 at 7 o'clock, knowing that you get paid to try and get a hit off somebody who gets paid to make sure you don't get a hit. You know, that's, yeah. it's just... Yeah, it's, it's something that people on the outside don't get, and that's fine, and that's the way it's always going to be, but, you know, just be respectful, and let's stay after it, and things are going to work out the way they're supposed to. Well said. All right,
2: uh, we're going to take a quick break, thank our friends over at Whataburger, and then we'll uh, actually talk about hitting some pitchers uh, after a quick message.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
1: You've tasted it, you've loved it, and guess what? Whataburger's Buffalo Ranch Chicken Strip Sandwich is back. Chicken strips, buffalo sauce, buttermilk ranch, and Monterey Jack cheese combined to be perfectly spicy. Available for a limited time.
2: All right, so the Rangers and Yankees continuous series tonight, four-game set. Garrett Cole last night. Uh he is one of the uh, Nathaniel said earlier. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's it's crazy. He's never won a Cy Young uh, with some of the stuff he's done. But uh, every every player goes about things differently. I know that, uh, and every pitcher presents different challenges. What is it like for you getting ready for a given pitcher for a given night? So tonight's Clark Schmidt. Like, what's your process to prepare for this that night's
0: game?
3: Um, you know, a, a lot of guys like to watch video. I'm not really like much of a video guy. Like I like to know tendencies, you know, I like to know in what count, what does he lean towards? And then you go with your gut feeling off of that. So if, if in a certain count it's soft, you sell out and sit soft, you know, cause it's too hard to look for one thing and hit another and stay in your posture in the major leagues. The guy's stuff is just too good. You know, you can't really, well, I'm not going to say you can't cause there are plenty of people who can, you can't be sold out to a fastball and stay on a breaking ball. Like it's just not how it works. And, there might be some freaks out there that can sit soft and still catch up to the fastball, but you know, that's, that's just how it goes. But ideally I'd like to know what his trends are over his last couple starts. You know, is he in the zone? Is he ahead in the count early? Or do I need to be patient? And then we'll form a game plan from there and just go for it. But I know that there are certain areas that obviously I don't want to, you know, put out on the internet (laughs) to where I feel like I have a better chance of success versus where I don't and yeah you know you need to make sure that you can always get to your strength and have a good chance in a good count
2: all right so you don't like video uh at some point I, I imagine you try to like video or use that to your advantage so what is it about video because there's some guys who love video guys who don't and just for people listening I mean there are however many hitters 13 hitters on the team and there might be 13 different ways that guys go about it, and none of those ways are necessarily wrong, right? It's it's whatever makes sense for you. It's just like learning. You know, you process, everyone processes things differently. Sure. Uh, so I want to make sure that no one listening is like, oh, like he doesn't watch video, like he doesn't. It doesn't, uh, he's not putting full effort. Like oh, I not, do my homework. Yeah, no. I, just, I, I, I do my homework, you know. So if you show up unprepared and you don't have a plan, you shouldn't show up. You're not hitting 300 if you're not, right? With guys throwing 99 right. and 91 mile an hour sliders. But, oh.
3: Okay, so what, what is
2: it about video that you don't like? Or, or like, wh- why does that not work for you?
3: Um, you know, we don't have a ton of home plate angles. You know, there's not a lot of teams out there that'll have a recording from like over the catcher's shoulder. So like, you know, it's cool to see, pitch shapes on occasion but for the most part you know like if if I'm going to look at video I want to see how it moves from my perspective not from the center field view like yeah you know there's certain numbers that can help out with stuff like that like they'll give us release height and then uh, what their extension is so how far they get down the mound so you can assume like where the ball is going to be coming from and what kind of shape it's going to have based on horizontal induced break vert- vertical induced break and all the movement on the x and y axis spin rate perceived cut like all this other stuff that these pitchers are coming up with to try and get us out of our rhythm but yeah ideally like i just want to know in what count can i get what pitch and where's the majority of the pitches going and if i know the guy like i something in me like i I guess the baseball player in me has a feeling of how he's going to attack me. And if you're right, then it's my turn to do damage. And if I'm wrong, then wash it and get him next time.
2: What's more frustrating when you, I don't want to say guess, but when you like your preparation had your mind in the right place, like, I think this is what, how he's going to attack me. And this is how he attacked me. But you don't like, you know, you, you just miss it. Or is it more frustrating to walk back
3: and think, man, like I, I thought he was going to zig and he just totally zagged. And now you're like, "Wow, what's going on? No, the most frustrating to me is just like missing pitches that I can do damage on, you know, because then it's like, then it's my fault. Um, You know, if I look for, like, say I look for three fastballs and I get three breaking balls for a strike, then that's sometimes how it goes. You know, pitchers are supposed to get you out. When they have success, they'll get you out the majority of the time. But yeah, I would say it's most disappointing, like when I get good pitches to hit and I don't put them in play hard.
2: And then how much how much time do you spend obviously you have batting practice and mm. you might go to the cage, you know, before, after, what have you, but how much time do you spend studying the paperwork you know, like all this, you talk about tendencies? Like what 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 does that look like for you in terms of looking over the material, not
3: physically getting ready. In the major leagues, they, they give you these, this software access to where it's got the database of all the pitches that these guys have thrown, you know, all the pitches that they've thrown in affiliated baseball in the minor leagues and the major leagues in the last, you know, some of these guys five or six years, and then some of these guys five or six months. And, you know, you just got to be able to understand like when, when you have count leverage, because I, I'm a firm believer that count leverage is everything. When you're ahead in the count, you are in the driver's seat. And when you're behind in the count in the major leagues, it is really, really hard to hit. Like when guys go ahead, when guys can go from 1-1 to 1-2, like you got to play defense, you know, and you never want to be defensive in the box, but sometimes you have to really like be okay with realizing that a ball in play is better than a punch out. And if you make two people handle the ball, like if you can hit something hard on the ground, I learned that in college actually, that that pressure out has a better chance of getting turned into getting on base than it is to hit a big fly ball. Now, obviously, you get to the big leagues, and the ball flies a little better. And, you know, you're supposed to hit home runs when you're a power hitter. Like, it's okay to hit the ball in the air at times, but there are definitely times when, you know, you need to put the ball on the ground and run. And, yeah, you just got to take advantage of when you're in the driver's seat, when you get a good pitch to hit.
2: You, uh, you had the four-pitch walk against Cole yesterday to load the bases, and then both runs came on Ground balls that didn't leave the infield. Kind of, you know, what you're saying. I know big leagues different than, than oh, college, yeah. but you give yourself a chance then. Uh, all right. What is your process? Typical seven o'clock game. So you're taking batting practice around 415, 430. And then are you going to the cage afterwards? Do you do cage work before? Does it depend day to day, pitcher to pitcher?
3: Yeah, um, it definitely depends here. Let me pull up my schedule for today. Um, like they'll have... An early stretch at some point, um, say, okay, so 7.07 start, position players stretch 3.50-ish, right? Batting practice at 4.10, so that means that you're taking ground balls 3.50, 3.55 to 4.08, and then you're hitting your rounds of uh, batting practice on the field at 4.10 if you want. But say if you're supposed to be out there at 3.55, the cage is full of guys from – one to 3:54. you know, like everyone has their time slot that you can go in. There's always coaches available. There's always players available. You can bounce ideas off each other. You can get in there and get your work in. And then Jonah and Corey have actually influenced me to stop hitting batting practice on the field because, you know, some days you don't have it, you know, some days you can hit it as hard as you can. And it feels like you got to go pick it up and hit it again to get it out of there. So why am I going to kill my confidence at 4:10, when really what matters is how you perform from seven o'clock on. So yeah, you know, you can get your work in, in the cage. Um, The coaches are always flexible. It's not mandatory to get on the field, but you know, I learning from Marcus and watching him go about his process. Like I feel like I have to catch ground balls every day. I, and now with the way things are trending at first base, like I have to go catch in between hops and short hops every day because I can't buy a hop right now. I don't know what is going on. It is bothering me to wit's end. It feels like every time the ball is bouncing on the dirt, it's just not finding my glove. And that's one of those things that I just need to continue to improve on. So we have to do a good job of scheduling when you need your defensive work, your offensive work, and making sure that you're fresh for a seven
1: o'clock performance. Game's happening. Let's fast forward a little bit. How do you prepare for a reliever?
3: Um... So we'll have a meeting before every series, right? And we go over the entire bullpen and they'll show pitch shapes and tendencies and like Donnie Ecker likes to group them into buckets, right? So there are guys that pitch to similar trends. So there's certain guys that the the pitch up is better than the pitch down, or there's certain guys that we you, say it's
2: better. It's better for you as the hitter, it's better for them as the pitcher.
3: But well, oh both in both ways yeah better to do damage sometimes when the pitch is up or versus when the pitch is down or better when it's closer to me versus when it's farther away just based on their trends and their pitch shapes so you know every bullpen now in the major leagues well it feels like every bullpen you're missing somebody if you don't have somebody that throws 100 but now throwing 100 is not good enough you got to cut it sink it or (laughs) have a nasty breaking ball behind it you know but that's how the game's trending. Yeah. You know, these guys keep getting better and better. And um yeah, so you just have to be prepared with what guys are coming in and what leverage situations. Like sometimes teams will have guys that pitch when there's more of a lead or when they're farther behind. And then, you know, you got your high leverage guys that will throw in close situations. And now you need to make sure that you're doing your homework of how did he pitch me when I faced him before. And sometimes guys will pitch you differently versus when there's, runners in scoring position or runners not on base or when it, when they're in a mop up situation or in a tight situation. And that's when it comes down to, can I do my homework? Can I think, and can I commit to my plan before I step into the batter's
1: box? I want to talk to you about umpires. This might be a loaded question or answer. Love you all. What are the things that (laughs) they do that annoy you the most?
3: Love you all. Um, (laughs) Umpires that annoy me the most are the guys who you can't talk to. That's, that's where I have an issue when you, as long as you're not disrespectful, I feel like you should definitely have a lane to ask like, Hey man, like where do you have that pitch when obviously I'm saying that out of disagreement. So if you look down at your toes and you're respectful, then most of them will give you the time of day. I, I can't name any off the top of my head that won't and I don't want to, but it feels like there are some guys that are more inclined to tell you like strike. I got that on the corner or no, that ball's down because they're telling the catcher the same thing too. And those are guys that I can really respect or guys that will come back and say, like, I think I missed that, you know. And and nobody wants to get it wrong. The same way in the field, they don't want to miss – they don't want their plays going to replay. They don't want to get reviewed. They want to get their job done correctly. And, yeah, it's probably embarrassing for them to have a call sent to New York. The whole stadium's booing you when you're trying to do your job correctly. And I get it. Those guys are humans. But, yeah, annoying umpires are guys that – are not open to hear my opinion.
2: You said something at the very beginning that I don't know if people picked up on, but you said you look down at your feet, right? And I think the key there is you don't want to turn and look at the ump to show them up, right? Uh, the, no the, whole, the whole no goal way. is the 30,000 plus who are there and then depending on what camera shot, but you know, the people watching on TV have no idea that you're questioning or asking about the call right there's like a right way and a wrong way to go about it so that's out of respect to them
3: yeah that's um actually okay so yeah we can we can go bigger scope here um i i don't know if i'd call it the treat or not in case he's listening but joe west and i belong to the same golf club in orlando and he had told me that when you step into the box the most respectful thing to do first off is call them by their first name look them in the face and ask them how are you today because you know there's a human being Mm -hmm. in that umpire outfit for now um <laughs> <laughs> gosh. Don't, that get was me, don't get me started on that don't get me started on that and then if you have a problem make sure that your head is down and your mouth is not towards the camera and as long as you're not swearing or telling the umpire you're wrong because blah 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 or dog cussing them for whatever you disagree with usually they'll hear you out and you know if they disagree they'll tell you and it's okay to disagree hey man i got that ball out Nah, i got it on the corner Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, all right. Well, next pitch. But now with the pitch clock, you better be looking at eight seconds, because if not, you take a borderline pitch that you disagree with. You're arguing with it. You look like an idiot, and all of a sudden, time violation. Eight seconds. You're 2 There goes your at bat. You know, O2 hits are very hard to come by, and you know, I'm sure we can pull up the stat line on that. But there's no way that the batting average is anywhere near 200. It's about
2: 13. Yeah,
3: about 130. Yeah, or so. 130. Yeah. That is. Bad just, just for two
2: strikes just in general, regardless of the count. Two strikes is about like one sixty-five, one seventy.
3: Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, hitting hitting is really hard. So yeah, when you if you get into it with an umpire like I like I've never been tossed. thankfully. Um I've had some opportunities where I could. <laughs> um I, I had a check swing that I really disagreed with uh last week. And then I was also upset that an umpire didn't check the check swing with the third base umpire and yeah, you know, because it's it's really hard to call balls and strikes and then see a barrel moving in front of the plate. Like that, like I'm not envious of that job at all because you never get applauded for doing a good job. You only get booed for doing a bad job. But that's what those guys sign up for, you know. So yeah, ask for help, ask the third base umpire, and if he bangs me out, then sure, like that's that's how it goes. But yeah, I, I check swings are really hard. And yeah, when you call it yourself and you're like convicted that you got it right and you don't, like, yeah, what's I, tough?
2: There are a few things on that. One, that for me, like just as an observer, that is the most annoying thing that happens somewhat regularly because, like you said, I have no idea how the heck they know. Now, there's certain times a guy goes around like 80% of the way, and it's sure. like that's, that's obvious. Yep. But even, like I'll even look at a replay. Home plate umpire says you went around, and then you look at the replay, and you're like, they got it right, but it was close. Even to me, that's still a mistake. Cause if it's unless it's obvious, ask for help. The other part of that is I don't know how the hell those guys are able to see it. I mean, that that's that you got a lot that you gotta watch. That happens so quickly. Yeah. And then the third part of that is there's no rule in the rule book about what is or is not a check swing. Yeah, oh yeah. Like that that to me is the most bizarre thing. Like how we have rules about the most obscure situations and stuff. This is something that happens. I don't know, 30 times a game at least, where a guy will check his swing, whether it's an obvious call one way or the other, or it's a 50-50 call. How is there not a rule to define this?
3: Oh, you know, I, that's like just one of the quirky baseball things that like you just have to appreciate, I think. Because long-term, the robo-umps coming is bad for the entertainment aspect of baseball, I think. Because people, say, people pay to see players disagree with umpires, get in their face, get thrown out of the game. The manager has to come out. You know, it gets a crowd going. It gets a team fired up. It gets all these entertainment aspects of this sport because it is an entertainment industry. When it comes down to it, people pay to see a show. And yeah, it's just one of those things that it's a discretionary little like hurdle that we have to deal with. It's like the baseline running to first base. Yeah. Oh There's gosh. no way to get that one right. There's yeah. no way because you have to run foul and the bases in fair territory. And then sometimes like, I, I don't know, if you can get a close up, some places now with the bigger base, like I've noticed it, the base is in an inch and a half into foul territory. It's like, well, you can hit a foul ball. Like I'm not going to say it's going to happen or not going to happen because there's a tiny chance, but there is a chance that you can hit a foul ball that hugs the outside of the foul line. And in some places will kick off the base just because of the bigger base. And that's just how it goes. You know, it's just one of the little quirks. I guess that's why every fence is different. Every foul territory is different. Like, it's just what you go through, but you gotta love it. Okay.
2: The one question on the robo ump's, uh, I'm I, I agree. I don't want I don't want balls and strikes to be a total electronic technology type thing. Mm-mm. I do feel like to some extent, to some degree, it's happening. It's going to happen, but maybe not full on. You know, iRobot calling balls and strikes. What would your thoughts be on a challenge system where there's immediate, like you can a, a manager can challenge ten, I don't know what five calls a game, and it's immediate, right? You're not going to a monitor. There's an immediate feedback, so it's like you know you don't even realize that they're challenging, or
3: do you not want technology involved at all? Honestly, like this is this is a really unpopular unwarranted opinion. I don't even like replay. You know, uh, that, I, yeah. I don't like replay. I think that. I think that the beauty of baseball lies in human error, right? Because you get out a lot, you make bad pitches and then you make errors and capitalize on them. And, you know, a ball finds a gap or gets lost in the lights or something like that happens and it takes a bad hop and then a team winds up scoring. But when it's up to human discretion, like you're playing the game itself, you know, you're not adding technology into a game that was, you know, obviously Felt like to the majority needed adjustments for a long time, but I appreciate like, you know, you watch old videos and the balls are getting called strikes a foot and a half off the plate, and guys don't even say anything to Pragmatics. the umpire because yeah. that's how it goes. But you look at the offense, the guys are hitting, you know, three fifty. The the batting titles won at three seventy. You know, guys are hitting sixty homers like for other extracurricular reasons. <laughs> I you know, but but like that's the beauty of baseball being a game of failure, and yeah, it feels like. Robo-omps, a challenge system, replay, all that stuff, technology, like the buzzers that the umpires wear to tell you when you have to be looking at the pitcher, like, I don't know. I, I In a vacuum with no externals, I would like just the umpires calling the game. You let the manager go get mad and yell at him. The crowd gets fired up, and then you move on and play the next pitch.
2: All right, I like it. Uh, fan questions coming up in a second, but... First, a message again from our friends at Whataburger. If you like breakfast and you like burgers, how about a burger for breakfast? Look no further than the Whataburger Breakfast Burger with a fresh 100% beef patty, melted cheese, hash brown sticks, fresh cracked egg, bacon, and creamy pepper sauce, but only available from 11 p.m. until 11 a.m. and only for a limited time. I'll be honest, I read that just for the first time now, and I actually really, that sounds awesome. And I love that. <laughs> Night um,
3: breakfast, Bert.
2: I love very that strategic
1: on their part, too. The timing is perfect. I was going to sure.
2: say, I love that it's available at 11 p.m. until 11 a.m. <laughs> That's very smart. Yeah. Whataburger,
1: great, great job. Keep it up, for we, sure.
2: We love our friends at Whataburger. All right, we got some questions from fans. What do you got, Hannah? Yes,
1: this is my favorite part of the episodes. People submit things. Completely unhinged. So let's get started. Unhinged. This one is from Lemon Drop on Twitter. Nathaniel, you jabber quite a bit while playing. I love <laughs> it. Did you get in trouble for talking in school when you were younger?
3: No, not really. I mean, you know, I, I I don't know. I felt like I was pretty behaved for the most part. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I I yeah. My dad would beat it out of me. <laughs> I was about to say,
2: knowing what I know about you, and I, I've. Never met your parents. I, I guess I maybe met them at the leadoff dinner, but I, I don't know your okay, parents. Yeah. But I know how you operate, and I know like your values, what's important to you. Sure. I don't feel like a detention would be received well in the
3: low household. Yeah, no detention, in, in school suspension, out of school suspension. No, nah, I, I was good until college. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there
1: all right up next we have jsfmt underscore on instagram what are your thoughts on dugout celebrations if the rangers were to have one what would you want it to be
3: nothing <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah i don't know like props and stuff like that i don't know I, after yeah after explaining the whole no replay or whatever's going on there sorry like I, that's just not me i i feel like you hit a home run, you set the crowd on fire, you get your, your high fives from your teammates, and do a couple of handshakes and get back after it again. But you know, picking up a picking up a prop and parading around the dugout feels like a travel ball team to me. So you know, no knock on anybody that does it. I'm sure guys enjoy that on other teams, and you know, but uh, there's a couple of things that are that are over the top. I feel like, and yeah, that's just that's not me personally.
2: Was there ever a discussion about it? No. Like, okay, so he no. hasn't even. Could you been...
3: imagine putting a prop on Corey? Like, uh, I would not go, yeah. yeah like, Corey hardly smiles after <laughs> yeah. he hits home runs, you know? And if or he's gonna or hit, Marcus. Yeah, or Marcus. Yeah. yeah, either of those guys. You know, if they're going to hit 35 homers, like, you're going to tell me you're going to put a helmet on Corey 35 times like, <laughs> when he comes back into the dugout or, you know, give him a <laughs> trident? Can you just, can just clarify like, something, though? Like, what's
2: up, Seattle? You mentioned his disposition. I think sometimes people mistake that for, like, he doesn't care or whatever. Like, he had a big oh. home run last year. That is absolutely not the case. Corey is just,
3: that's how he's wired. He's doing his job. Yeah. That's what he expects to do. Yeah. yeah it's not like he's emotionless. He's not not happy that he hit a ball 500 <laughs> feet again. <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah. But, no, it's just how he goes. Yeah.
1: All good. That's a very interesting take. I like it. Sure. Respect it.
4: Thank
1: you. Um, all right. Up next is Hicks. 45 j on twitter what is your favorite song this is from his number one fan that yells out nate the great at games
3: oh nate the great guy um number one favorite song honestly i have no idea like i i'm sorry i don't have a favorite song i don't have a favorite artist i don't have a favorite genre like that's such a vanilla way to step around that answer and i'm sorry like for saying that but I, it could change. Like I could listen to something on the way to breakfast and something on the way back to the house and something totally different on the way to and from the field. And it's a good day music wise, you know? All
2: right. It's let me like, ask it this way. Has there been a walk up song selection of yours where you just like, you're pretty proud of like this one was awesome.
3: Um, Oh, it's funny. Cause I just changed it last night. Like I just changed it again. Yeah. Um, we're going to party, party next door Rihanna right now. Like why not? You know? Um, But yeah, I, I, I guess like I I use these days by rudimental for a while. That was my favorite one. That was was, a great one. That was a good one. Yeah. But you know, like I was doing that in the minor leagues and Justin Turner was doing it in the major leagues, making the all-star games and stuff. So I felt like when I got called up, like if we were to play the Dodgers somehow and I have the same walk-up song as somebody else, I got to nix it. So yeah, you know, I, I like that one. Um, the Drake one that I've been doing that talks about Dallas is pretty fun, but uh, apparently it's a little slow. Um, Whichever one has hits in it, honestly, is the right answer.
1: In your opinion, what makes a good walk-up song, whether it's for you or a teammate?
3: Um, I like it when they're personal, right? When they're a connection, like, to the player. Like, if a player's got something that, like, resonates with the song or something like that, Um, like, you think about, you know, Jonas, where it says, like, home sweet, you and me, ain't got much we got we need. Like, that's, that's Jonah, you know? He's happy with his family. He's happy playing in Texas, like, Getting to come come with him through the minor league system and seeing like where he started and where he's at now like it's such a treat to see him find a home and being a Texas stranger and being like a stud for us like as a dad as a husband and as a teammate like awesome,
2: uh, man I I hate to like even say anything after that, that was like really beautifully said no that was awesome Boach the other day this made me really happy Boach the other day said Jose Leclerc got the worst song in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> He said in front, like this was not like we were talking about. We we're talking about Trevor, Trevor Hoffman with Hell's Bells. You yeah. know, he was a man. He was Trevor Hoffman's manager in San Diego, and right. that was you know before Enter Sandman with Mariano. That was like that was the yeah, one that was everyone it. talked about. That was it. And then he just unprompted was like, <laughs> oh, "Man, Jose's got the worst song." <laughs> ever.
3: Gosh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a Hall of Fame walk-up song. Trevor Hoffman, Hell's Bells, Mariano Rivera, Enter Sandman, Craig Kimbrell. Welcome to the jungle. Like, yeah, when we Edwin Diaz last I year, I love the cool. Edwin Diaz one. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Timmy yeah, Trumpets sure. or Tommy Trumpets? Yeah, Timmy whatever. Trumpets. Yeah, Timmy yeah, Trumpets. Yeah, Trumpets I mean, came. That he that performed live too.
3: That caught fire. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah.
2: That's just awesome. It right? went
1: viral like yes. crazy.
2: I do love that we're the lights are flickering now. Like, when we have someone come out on the ninth, that's cool, but it is tough yeah. when I love Jose, but the, like, I'm not, you know, are we going to slow dance or whatever? But <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad Boach, uh, Boch had some thoughts. I, I loved hearing that. I'll let Boch handle that. Yeah. This is yeah.
1: like another, this will be like the last question about walk-up songs, but what is the process as a player? How often can you change it? Do you just tell a clubby, yeah. hey, I want to change it to this song. How does that work from yeah. your perspective?
3: Oh yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you don't want to do it too close to the game, but if I wanted a different walk-up song today, all I'd have to do is go find another clubhouse guy and tell him like, hey, let's send it up to the DJ. This is where I want it to start. And that's that. Make sure you get the clean version though, because yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I've had some... I've had some hiccups before in, in college summer ball. I'll never forget it. You know, I'm, I'm walking up to the dish when I first at bats the new team and meeting new guys, and all of a sudden I'm hearing all these swear words at a high school field and the sh- like speakers rattling because oh, it's no. so loud. And I'm like, oh, we should switch that. Yeah, <laughs> oh. we should switch that right now. Yeah, sorry.
1: All right, one last question for you, Nathaniel underscore Abigail on Instagram wants to know what is it like having a brother in the league? How often do you talk to him about baseball?
3: Ooh, it's great. It's great. Um, I talk to him about baseball probably twice a week. Yeah, nothing too crazy because I don't want to get in the way of what he's doing. And what he's doing right now is killing it. Like, yeah, I can say that on record. Like, Josh is off to a great start. The team's off to a great start. You know, I hope they lose every game they play us, and I hope he hits a bunch of jam shot singles with nobody on base. But you know, like, <laughs> that's um, yeah, like having him as an asset, right? Because he does things that are different from what I do, and like. Boach and I actually talked about it yesterday because he asked me who's faster. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, that's not a conversation. Josh could beat me backwards with his eyes closed, you know? Like he's got a different skill set. He plays the outfield. Like he can steal bases on command. Like I'm I'm not gonna say that I can't. I just don't, you know, like I don't run like he does. But yeah, having a different skill set and having him not have the experience from college is awesome because he's learning as he's going and growing up in the major leagues instead of like having to grow up. In the minor leagues for a long time because he you know he beat the minor leagues he dominated triple a he earned his spot on the roster and yeah he's gonna earn his spot as an everyday player as he keeps progressing and that's just that's just how it goes but yeah sharing sharing parents with a guy like that and having the same you know having the same last name and like being my brother and like one of my closest friends on earth like it, there's nothing like it it's a real treat
1: speaking of parents. When we play the Rays this year, <laughs> your mom will be the Donna Kelsey of Major League Baseball. <laughs> Do you think she'll wear like a half and half jersey? Do you know yes, what her plan is for absolutely. that game? Oh, you How better cool believe for her! She's
3: got a plan already. She's got a plan already. Yeah, I guess Bobby Wilson's dad um, is somehow tied in with a company. Either he makes them himself, or tied in with a company that makes those split jerseys. Because like the Guriels already did it, Yuli and uh, Lourdes. Lourdes, there you go, and. They, their parents had split jerseys on, and I'm sure at some point the Uptons had split jerseys on, and then they played together, which is even cooler. I think Josh would look great in a Texas Rangers uniform, you know? Like, he would love Dallas, Texas. Um, yeah, it's it's really sweet. Like, but she's definitely going to have both of, both of our names, well, both of our jerseys on at the same time.
2: Tampa, go to Tampa in June, right? That's the first time?
3: June 9th. Oh, wow. Not that he knows. Oh, the Lowe's are ready. There you go.
2: I bet they are. There's at least 80 tickets. Oh, Oh, wow, (laughs) 80. That's amazing.
3: Fully loaded. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It was really fun last year. All my cousins came down. Yeah. Aunts and uncles, family friends, like friends that we call family, and they all stay together and go out to the beach and have a great time. And, yeah, like aside from us playing baseball against each other and them being proud of that, it's, like, really cool to have all my family just hanging out and enjoying where they're
2: It's an excuse to bring people together.
3: Yes. Yeah, talk
1: about the cool. coolest family reunion I've ever
4: heard of.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty cool. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Episode three of the Strait of Texas podcast uh, for Nathaniel Lowe and Hannah Wing, for our producer, Tim Johnson, Jared Sandler, thanking you for being with us. We'll talk to you next time.